Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Support Dear Pats Nation in style by gearing yourself up with some DPN merchandise over at teesprings.com slash stores slash DPN. We have left the link in the description of this YouTube video and on the podcast. Because I think the purpose of faith is to get human beings to live on a higher plane than the animals in the jungle and that there's something bigger going on that's bigger than all of us. And I'm back. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Ray, and welcome to the weekend edition of the Dear Pats Nation podcast. As you can all see, and you would have saw in yesterday's, I'm all by myself, but don't worry about that. I'm not going to talk too much. I'm here for a good time, not a long time. Thanks, everybody, who downloaded the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast needs. Thanks, everybody, listening on YouTube, and thanks to everybody who watches our videos over on Newsbreak. We want to thank all of our Dear Pats Nation loyalty club members on patreon for only five bucks a month you get an exclusive patreon webcast from sunday to thursday access to the live recording of the dear pats nation podcast an exclusive live stream every second friday where you can join connor and i on the screen guys we don't have any tears it's only five dollars a month come check out the dear pats nation loyalty club at patreon.com slash dpn sports uh, I think I put together a somewhat decent show for y'all today. Uh, we're going to start by looking at a story that came out from Kyrie Thompson from Boston.com. And we're going to discuss how ESPN ranked both Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry as top 10 tight ends for the 2021 season. Uh, I'm also going to play that second half of our conversation with Patriots outsider Lawrence Owen as he gives his take on all the different Patriots stories that Connor and I covered this week. And then, of course, I'm going to play you a short clip from our Patreon exclusive content. I hope that you're all having a great weekend and let's get this show going. Connor and I are thrilled to be a part of the Newsbreak team. When you download the free Newsbreak app from the link that we've left in the description, it directly supports Dear Pats Nation, so you can stay up to date with all of our content and all your local news for free by downloading the Newsbreak app from the link that we provided you in the description. All right, I want to talk about this headline that came out today from Kyrie Thompson of, of Boston.com saying Patriots Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith rank among ESPN's top tight top 10 tight ends. The two Patriots tight ends are set to become the focal point of the team's passing attack in 2021. The New England Patriots already nabbed one of the best two free agents. <clears throat> Let me start again. The New England Patriots already nabbed one of the two best free agent tight ends when they announced the agreement with Jonu Smith early on in free agency. Then they went out and got the man many thought was the best tight end, Hunter Henry, as well. The two-headed monster may have secured the Patriots two of the 10 best players at their position in the league, according to NFL executives. So 
obviously them being top 10 tight ends is probably not a surprise to everybody. It's also not a surprise, mainly because we've talked about it a million times on Deer Pats Nation, that the tight ends was the position that the Patriots needed to address the most. They needed to, I mean, it's been, you've got to think about it. The Patriots went from Ben Watson to Gronkowski and Hernandez. Then they had Michael Bennett for a year, or uh, sorry, Martellus Bennett for a year, who was absolutely phenomenal. You know, and then after Gronk retires and then retired, you know, came out of retirement, went to the Bucks. you had Ryan Izzo, Matt Lacoste, Ben Watson, Devin Asiasi, Dalton Keene. And nobody was ever really able to produce for the Patriots and the tight ends. The Patriots went from having the most dominant tight ends in the NFL to having the, the biggest joke of tight ends. There were single tight ends in the NFL that outperformed every single tight end on the New England Patriots. And I think for a Bill Belichick-led team, that's absolutely embarrassing. And that wasn't just because of Cam Newton last season. The same goes for 2019 when Tom Brady was still the quarterback. I don't think the poor tight end play can be put on the quarterbacks. It just They were just poor tight ends, and it's that simple. So because of that, we all kind of knew going into the season, Belichick was going to get one of those two guys. We discussed Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith to death. Uh, I believe that we would have been happy with either one of them. We did talk about Hunter Henry seemingly to be the fit for the Patriots, and we knew that Bill Belichick was enamored with him. Then they signed Johnny Smith, and if you go back and watch Connor and I discussing it the day that they signed him, I mean, we were ecstatic. We couldn't hold back our excitement. We were just absolutely thrilled that Johnny Smith was a New England Patriot. And then the next day it's Hunter Henry and we now got the Gronk and Hernandez combination again, the two headed monster, whatever you want to call it. John Smith being the more athletic guy who can play the H back can play inside, can play the traditional, you know, down tight end can block on the run, can go out for passes, can line up all over the field. Hunter Henry, traditional tight end, big target monster, hard to tackle. John Smith ranked, I think second in red zone targets and first in red zone touchdowns amongst all tight ends last season on a team. I may add that was built around running backs and wide receivers out in Houston. I mean, when you got the best running back in the league and you've got those great receivers that they had not in Houston and Tennessee, I mean, you know, why are you going to be attacking tight ends yet? He was a red zone threat and the Patriots got both of them and they're going to be absolutely dominating. And I mean, when the, when it opened up with, they're going to become the focal point of this team's passing attack in 2021. It's almost like one of those duh moments because I think everybody on the planet knows that this team is going to go through the running backs and the tight ends, which is why, and I discussed this yesterday, I'm not overly concerned about the Patriots wide receivers. I know that they never went out and got that true number one receiver that people wanted. Uh, they didn't get their Will Fuller that was available uh, who can go, but they got Nelson Aguilar who can stretch the field, who maybe on the depth chart is ranked the, the wide receiver one, but he's probably more of a wide receiver too. I also believe that Kendrick Bourne is a number two or three and Jacoby Myers is a solid number two. And with the tight ends, because they're going to be like the number one receiving threats for the Patriots, that's going to open up that game for the receiving core. They're going to have better matchups, and it's going to be very difficult to cover this team, frankly, because not only are they going to be really, really solid in the passing game, they're going to be even more solid in the run game and that run game along with the tight ends is going to open up a lot of opportunities for the Patriots. 
if you said to me, hey, are Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry both top 10 players at their positions? I would say absolutely. I mean, I want you to tell me 10 other tight ends who you can put ahead of them. Obviously, guys like Travis Kelsey, you know, they're going to be, they're, 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 they're the upper echelons. George Kittle, that type of thing. That's that's the upper echelons of the, of the NFL. I know there's still people out there that are going to say Gronk's a top 10 tight end. He's not a top 10, 10. He's not a top 10 anymore. He may be the top number one of all time, but the Rob Gronkowski that's playing football in 2021 that we saw play in 2020 and 2018 is not a top 10 tight end anymore. He's still a presence. He's still Gronk. He's still a beast. He's still a freak, but he's not going to be top 10. He doesn't have that athleticism or that speed that with that deceiving speed that he once had Hunter Henry and John Smith are good. And the Patriots are set up to be absolutely phenomenal this season and I think that people may just completely underestimate what that tight, what those tight ends can do because you're still seeing a lot of negativity surrounding the Patriots. There's still those analysts and experts out there, and I should have probably maybe done that in quotation marks, uh, who are saying, you know, the Patriots maybe are, you know, seven, eight wins are not that improved. Uh, the tight ends alone have improved this team. Then you add in the, the what, what Belichick did with the defense, you add in the receivers. I mean, they're going to be just fine. Uh, really, really, I mean, I think that every Patriots fan on the planet should be thrilled with the tight ends that are going to be playing for this team. And I'm not shocked at all that ESPN ranked them as number one. And I'm looking forward to seeing how Josh McDaniels uses them. I'm looking forward to seeing that two-headed monster. And I'm really looking forward to seeing the tight ends be the focal point of the Patriots offense yet again. All right, guys, and that's about it for me talking to myself. So I'm going to switch over to the second half of the conversation that we had with Patriots outsider Lawrence Owen. Uh, I played part one for you in yesterday's edition of the weekend podcast. Today, you're going to hear part two, and you're going to hear Lawrence talk about whether Patriot fans should have faith in the wide receiving core. And he's also going to just discuss the Patriots in general. He's going to look at that week four game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And as an outsider, whether or not, that should be the Patriots Super Bowl. There are people who believe yeah, that buddy. Connor and I are too biased. So once a week, we bring in our boy Lawrence, and he gives us his take on the New England Patriots. Lawrence is the host of the Colts Law podcast. He's an Indianapolis Colts creator on YouTube. You can search up Colts Law or Lawrence Owen. You can find him on Twitter at Colts underscore law. He's also the play-by-play voice of the Indy Express of the Basketball League. You can find his Colts content with us now over on Newsbreak. Ladies and gentlemen of Pat's Nation, the Patriots outsider. Get ready to clap, Connor. I'm ready. Lawrence Owen! I'm happy that I have you on because one thing that I felt Connor and I have had to do, well, I've been doing relentlessly on Twitter and then Connor's been helping me out on the podcast is defending the Patriots wide receiving core. Uh, There's a lot of people who look at them and don't see a true number one. And they're probably right. I'm not going to sit here and argue that Aguilar born or Myers is a true number one, but there's people out there that saying the Patriots don't even have an elite number two. And that's where I get a little offended. And I also say that we do have an elite number one receiver. They just happen to play tight end and we got two of them, at least one of them. But I think that that combination of tight ends and wide receiver is what's going to make everybody so good. But I want to talk about this wide receiving group in particular, because you've been very flattering, especially to Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers. You haven't said anything bad about Aguilar, but those two guys are the guys that you have been, you know, the roses to, um, is this Patriots wide receiver group good enough this year to, to help the Patriots win and be successful? 
Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. Um, look, sometimes you don't need a number one. It depends upon the, the type of offense that you run. If you have a uh, offense with a scheme that likes to spread the ball around a lot, then you don't need a number one. Sure, it's nice to have one for, you know, that guy that has that great connection with the quarterback, but Edelman had a great connection. He wasn't necessarily a number one, right? Uh, There was a bunch of guys that I can name off on all sorts of teams that were really good receivers that weren't considered number one wide receivers. If you got a bunch of guys that are going to produce, catch the ball, make plays, when their number's called and you can just hit here, 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 doesn't matter where at, that makes it 10 times more difficult on the defense that's covering it than it is if you got that number one guy that you could throw the football to. It's the whole reason why I said last year, uh, before the season even started with the, the Texans, you know, that, yes, Hopkins is a great receiver, maybe the best in the NFL, and it sucks as a whole on the team you know, that he's not on the Texans anymore. But Watson is going to be a better quarterback for it. And once he do, he ends up throwing a better uh, percentage, completion percentage, yardage, um, everything. I mean, he, across the board, he had the best seat, didn't get the wins. But that's a different story for different reasons. But as a quarterback, as an offense, they produced even more without Hopkins than what they did with him. And that is a very similar situation that I think that New England could be in, as long as they've got a bunch of guys that, uh, and I believe they have it, that can be relied upon right now uh, to throw to. Before I give Connor his chance to rebuttal, I did want to throw one one feeling I had on it. I want you just to validate whether I'm right or wrong. But I said outside of Randy Moss, the Patriots have never actually had that true number one elite receiver. I don't consider Wes Welker and Julian Edelman those elite number ones. I see those guys as elite number twos that played on a team. Now, I know you can say Rob Gronkowski, Hernandez, but those are tight ends. I'm talking just wide receiver. Outside of Randy Moss, I don't, I, I, at least for me, I don't think the Patriots have ever had a true number one receiver, but I, I want to throw it to you and see what you have to say about that. I think you had one for like, what was it, a year or two? I can't remember. Besides Moss, I can't remember his name right off the top of my head. But he was a Brandon big, Cooks. Brandon Cooks for we had for a year. Been, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I yeah. Think, sorry, we had Brandon. You're right. We had Brandon yeah, Cooks in 2017. One year, one yeah. Year. yeah, yeah, and, and and he's currently you know balling right now in the NFL. And I guess so, we had Antonio Brown for one game. I, one game. I, I yeah. Can't, I, can't, <laughs> I can't count him uh, at that point, but yeah. I mean, you're right, though. I mean, they've won Super Bowl after Super Bowl after Super Bowl, generally not having a big-time number one, even even considered top ten, as good as Edelman and, and all them were. Were they ever actually considered a top ten wide receiver in the NFL? No. I think Julian Edelman in the playoffs is considered a top ten because if you I look mean, at his playoff numbers, but from a regular season, that's what I say. Yeah. I, Julian Edelman and Wes Welker, to me, are not Hall of Famers. Uh, right. Julian Edelman, I will make the argument – if you take his playoff numbers alone, uh, very much like Eli Manning in my eyes, if you take their playoff accomplishments and what they've been able to do in the playoffs, then he's a Hall of Famer. But if you're basing it on a total body work, he's not a Hall of Famer. And neither is right. Wes Welker in my mind either. Yeah. yeah, that's that's my point. I mean, the, they have produced offensively without having one of those big 
big time wide receivers that, you know, everyone considers to be, you know, that, that true number one, that DeAndre Hopkins, that, that, um, Julio Jones or, you know, uh, Cooks, not, 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 not Brandon Cooks, the guy from, uh, the Saints. Brandon Lloyd. Yeah, Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks. Okay. Cooks. Yeah. yeah. We, we traded for Cooks for one year. It's actually we lost the Super Bowl that year to Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah. he got hurt in the Super Bowl. He got. A, he tried to like. Oh yeah, he got crushed. Yeah, he got crushed and uh, mm-hmm. was out with a concussion. Connor, your 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 response to Lawrence? Did he hit it on the head again? Yeah, and now that I'm thinking about it, I I have I don't know how I even really thought about this yet, but the Patriots love to spread the ball around and they love to highlight people week to week, and that's exactly what I think Bill Belichick's going to be able to do. I mean, I think some games Nelson Aguilar is going to go off, and then the next week he's going to get like two targets and he's going to have like one catch for 17 yards. So I think he's going to be able to use this where he has five legitimate weapons and he's going to use all of them. And then he's going to come back and run the ball 30 times. Some games. Say, I would, I would say six legitimate weapons. If you put James white into the mix as a, as that a receiver, t- that too, as a receiver, yep. the, the backfield in general, I think they're going to have three legitimate weapons. So yeah, I, I, as running backs, but I was yeah, talking in the backs, past yeah. and I was talking about in the passing game. I think you can count James white as a weapon. Cause I mean, yep. there was a year that I think he led the Patriots in receiving yards. Yeah. He, he's going to, he's going to be another guy where randomly, I think he's going to catch nine passes one game. And then the next game they're going to target him twice. Uh, Lawrence, we surpassed the 15 minutes, but we have one more thing we want to go over with you. Are you cool to stay for for another couple of minutes with us? I got all night. Yeah, whatever you Perfect. need. Yeah, the all right, so Connor and I just discussed this on the podcast. You may have heard us over talking. I can't remember when you came in. Uh, but Ryan Whitley of Chowder and Champions is suggesting that, well, A, the Patriots aren't good enough to win a championship this year. So Bill Belichick knows. He knows that the Patriots' Super Bowl – is week four against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a narrative that you know drives me crazy, a narrative that it's week four, and but people are going to build this up as if it's a Super Bowl game. We all know that according to the media, Patriots fans, Buck fans, and just you know casual NFL fans around the world, this is finally going to solve the Brady versus Belichick debate. The winner of this game will be the best in the world. When you hear, as an outsider, when you hear the kind of narrative that this game is going to be the Super Bowl for the Patriots, what goes through your head? What just happened? I rolled my eyes the whole time. <laughs> Look. Is it going to be an entertaining game to watch? Absolutely. I'm going to watch the game. I'll, I mean, unless the Colts game is going on at the same time, I'll be watching it live, right? I mean, that's just how it is. And so, and I'm pretty sure it's a primetime game, so I'm not going to be watching it. Or I will be watching it live because the Colts game won't be on at the same time. That's where it ends for me, you know, as an outsider. I do not, I don't see how if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady beats new england it makes tom brady better than belichick that's not it to me at all now there is that whole aspect of it's belichick's defense versus brady's offense that's going to be an interesting thing to watch you know how well does brady play against belichick's defense because it, it that that's where the brains are going to come in and you know of, of, of whether or not brady's going to be able to get over on belichick or vice versa you know but, connor if one of us would have said that when we broke this down on the podcast we would have looked really smart eh? yeah we would have but that's yeah. why we're <laughs> <laughs> we're in the comedic sports but but i mean 
but to say it's his Super Bowl, that's that's dumb. You know what? You know what Belichick Super Bowl is? The Super Bowl. Okay. I was going to ask you, how offensive is it for a six-time Super Bowl winning head coach? I think an eight-time coach, when you eight-time winner, when yeah. you consider his coordinator spots with the Giants. How offensive is it to an eight-time Super Bowl winner to say that the Super Bowl is a week four game in the regular season? Right. Saying your season's over in week four. They're in a new seventeen-week <laughs> season, your season is done after week four. That 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 is that's that's that's. I don't know, man. That's something that uh, I'd be like checking my window every day to make sure there ain't Hitman outside because that's not right. <laughs> All right, Connor, your 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 response to Lawrence? Yeah, it's 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 like a Jets last year versus the Patriots or two years ago when you knew they were going to win three games all year and their Super Bowl was trying to upset New England. I mean, this this isn't going to be that type of a team. I mean, knock on wood, man. But come on, look, they have they're coached by Bill Belichick. Look at the talent that they have. Sure, like Lawrence said, it's going to be a super entertaining game. It's going to be fun to watch. I mean, I'm I'm excited for it. But mm-hmm. the Super Bowl, no. All right, I hope you enjoyed that segment with Lawrence. If you missed part one, you can hear it on yesterday's podcast. Uh, But now it's time to play a quick clip from our Patreon-exclusive content. And don't forget, for only $5 a month, you can get an exclusive Patreon webcast from Sunday through Thursday, access to the live recording of the Dear Pats Nation podcast, and an exclusive live stream every second Friday where you can join Connor and I on the screen. We don't have any tiers. It's only $5. So come check out the Dear Pats Nation Loyalty Club at patreon.com slash Sports. We've left the link in the description. I have a throwback comparison for J.J. Taylor, not talking about character-wise as a person, just play-wise. J.J. Taylor can be the modern-day David Meggett minus going to jail. Same dynamic speed and open field looseness. J.J. can hide behind the offensive line, be patient, and let the holes develop, and then burst the opening with the speed. I'm not sure who that is. I think I am. Did he play for the Patriots? No, yes. So, yeah, Dave Maggett uh, played, yes. He was 89, I think he was drafted. Okay. Uh, But I think he was drafted by the Giants, to be honest with you. Yes, he went came to the Patriots from 95 to 97. Uh, Much more of a special team guy. Yep. Had a lot of kick return yards and punt return yards. Uh, Again, I'm trying to remember exactly if he was big or small, but he was more of a special team guy, very dynamic and elusive, but again, more known, but yeah, he's in, he went to jail. Oh boy. He has nine children. Wow. Okay. Wow. Uh, he was one of the favorite players of coach Bill Parcells. Hence why he went to the, from the giants to the, went to a couple of pro bowls, I think for special teams though. He was nice. a three time all pro all right. went, went from played from the giants. Oh, well, here it is. Went from the giants from 89 to 94. Yep. Then came to New England in 95 to 97. And then the Jets in 98. So oh, no shit. So he basically went, he, he went just followed Bill time. Parcells. Right. Uh, he was arrested for soliciting a prostitute. Oh, okay. Then he was charged for assaulting his then girlfriend. Uh, he was a. Oh, Megan was arrested in Toronto. Oh, jeez. After he allegedly assaulted an escort worker after a three-way sexual encounter. Oh, okay. Following the incident, the Patriots promptly released him 
uh, per their zero tolerance policy for violence against women enact after uh, the the four year of the selection of Christian Peter two years earlier. You remember that? That was in the dynasty. Uh, according to a 2014 report in SB Nation, the fallout from the incident led to other teams to look uh, at Megat's history with women and was a reason why his number was never called by another NFL team after the Japs opted against re-signing him. A trial on the assault charge ended up with a hung jury in April of 2000. In later years, Megat faced multiple legal and financial difficulties related to failure of child support. He earned $10 million in his NFL career, but lost it all back to child support payments. Oh. He was even forced to sell his Super Bowl ring on eBay. Wow. Maggot was the Parks and Recreation Director in Robinson, North Carolina. Most of his salary was diverted to pay child support. He resigned in 2006 after he was accused of sexually assaulting his former girlfriend. In 2007, he was convicted of a misdemeanor sexual battery in the case, receiving two years probation. Authority says he was allowed to move back to South Carolina to serve as probation. Soon afterward, in 2008, he was accused of sexually assaulting a 17-year-old girl, but prosecutors opted not to pursue the case due to questions about her credibility. In January 2009, Maggot was arrested for raping and robbing a part-time student at a college in Charleston. On November 10, 2010, Maggot was convicted oh of burglary and criminal sexual assault and sentenced to 30 years in prison. Oh, wow. Maggot, South Carolina Department of Corrections ID, is 0034310, is serving his sentence in Libier Correctional Institution in uh, Ridgeville, South Carolina. His earliest possible release date is for parole is July 6, 2034. Whoa. So he'll okay. be in his 70s. Yeah. While incarcerated, Maggot was, has occurred several disciplinary infractions uh, for processing or attempted possession of a cell phone leading to detention and loss of privileges. What a long rap sheet after that career. Some of these guys, man, they go to like the absolute top and then they go to the absolute bottom. Great comparison for J.J. Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, hopefully none of the off-field stuff translates whatsoever. Sheesh. All right, everybody, thanks so much for tuning in to the two weekend editions of the Dear Pats Nation podcast. Connor and I will be back tomorrow, and we're going to be discussing all of the headlines that you need to know about the New England Patriots. Until then, the Patriots are going to be legit, kid. Support for Dear Pats Nation is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Visit Manscaped.com and save 20% plus free shipping when you use the code RayRoute. Get your hands on the very best male grooming products and save 20% plus free shipping using the code RayRoute when you visit Manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. And support for Dear Pats Nation is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Barber Company. Check out the Rocky Mountain Barber Company by visiting RockyMountainBarber.com and save 5% using that code RayRoute when you purchase your small batch male hygiene products made with natural ingredients visit rockymountainbarber.com save five percent using the code ray route hey listeners i'm christy and i'm melissa and this is buried motives where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers she said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. 
Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100% because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.